Good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. We are at week 17 in Believe, and wow, this week we're going to be reading about spiritual gifts. Hope you're in an Ohana group. You can uh, discuss spiritual gifts more in depth and talk about how they relate to you personally, and that's what I'm going to share about this morning. In fact, uh, we've got the key idea right up there. It's on your bulletin as well. Let's say it together, okay? I know my spiritual gifts and use them to fulfill God's purposes. Now that may be true, or it may not be true of you, and that's okay. Because maybe we all haven't discovered our spiritual gifts. It's something that we want to, and I hope you want to, because the Bible says they are so important. They are gifts given to every believer to build up the body of Christ and allow Christ's body to fulfill his purpose and mission through this church, in this community, and in the world. Now you're going to be reading in your Believe material this week that God gave gifts in the Old Testament. But when the New Testament era began, Christ was crucified, risen again, and the church was birthed. On the day of Pentecost, read about that in Acts chapter 2. Those disciples, those followers of Jesus were in the upper room when, just as Jesus had promised, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they were filled with the Spirit, and they began speaking the glories of God in languages they'd never learned. And people believed in that day, 3,000 were baptized. From that point on, every new believer in Jesus receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. And along with that gift, receives spiritual gifts, one or more divine abilities that God uses in the body of Christ. Uh, These gifts are either listed or mentioned in four passages in the New Testament in particular. In Romans chapter 12, which we'll be looking at in particular this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, and then also in Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter chapter 4. Bruce Bugby is the director of Network Ministries, and I think he's come up with an excellent definition of spiritual gifts drawing on those passages. And it's in your bulletin in the article in there, so you don't have to try to jot it down. Here's what it is. Spiritual gifts are divine abilities distributed by the Holy Spirit to every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. Now we'll focus on Paul's comments in Romans chapter 12. And in this passage, he doesn't use the term spiritual gifts. He actually uses the word gifts of grace or grace gifts. And that comes from the original Greek word, charisma. That's grace, gift, charisma. Now, if you transliterate a word from one language to another, just bringing the sound right over, that's what has happened with charisma, charismatic, into the English language. And so we've heard that. And what it's come to mean in church culture in America would be those individual Christians or churches that tend to focus on sign gifts, the more showy gifts like 
healings or miracles or speaking in tongues and interpretations. Those are the charismatics. But wait a minute. Charisma, grace gifts, are all the gifts that are given to the church. So really every church should be a charismatic church in that sense. The problem is we get in the way. And back in the 70s, back in the 80s in particular, spiritual gifts became a battleground in churches. Christians divided over it because they had different strong opinions. By the way, I was one of them. You know, many of us had really strong opinions back then. And we allowed that to get in the way. There were churches all over the mainland in America that split over disagreements about spiritual gifts. Which ones were in operation, which ones weren't. Some thought they all were and every Christian ought to be participating in all of them. Some thought no, some of those gifts had ceased with the apostles. Uh, strong views, you know, people really believed these things, but we allowed that to become divisive. Even this church split back in 1984 over that. And um, many of us felt threatened if people believed other than we did. And uh, we stood strong on our positions in that. But we should not be threatened by spiritual gifts. Many of us uh, have come through that period, and I trust that we've matured. I think that I have. I think I've grown in my understanding in that. I think our church has. I think many churches in America have. But think about it. God gave gifts to the church, and we've allowed them to divide us, and that's exactly what the enemy would want. God wants us to be brought together by those gifts, and I think if we understand the giver, and the gifts, we'll find more common ground than ever as we grow in maturity in the area of spiritual gifts. You see, the thing is, back in those days, through messages, through books, I know it's hard to believe, uh, people would throw rocks at each other. They'd divide into those camps and throw theological rocks at each other and injure each other, and it's like the church suffered as a result. But now we realize... We need each other. We all need each other within a given church or between churches because that's the kingdom of God. And so that's what we need to understand as we open our hearts and our minds to really understand what God's word says about spiritual gifts. A few weeks ago when we talked about total surrender, I talked about the book of Romans just in brief and talked about how amazing it is how Paul logically lays it out for 11 chapters how desperately we need a savior that we're sinners whether we're uh, religious people or irreligious people I met a woman this week I was talking to her and she said well I'm not in the church but I'm no bigger sinner than my neighbor next door I was talking to her about Jesus and she said, they go to church, you know, every, they go to Mass every weekend, but they sin, and I'm not any worse than they are. And I had to explain to her, well, actually we're all sinners. Whether we're religious, church, or not, that's what Paul says. And then he says, but God stepped in with his grace when Jesus come amongst us, lived and loved and died for our sins, and rose again. Paul lays that out. And then he says, as he turns a corner when he gets to chapter 
12. Therefore, because of God's grace, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So because of God's salvation through Jesus Christ, we're to present ourselves, our bodies, as living and holy sacrifices. How do we do that? Well, if you look at the verses that follow, which we're going to do, he tells us that it's when we discover, open, and use our spiritual gifts that we're serving Christ and the body of Christ is strengthened to accomplish Christ's mission on earth. He's the head of the church. We're the body. And so as we use the gifts he's given to us, Christ is honored. His mission is fulfilled. So I want to look at this passage, but I want to pull three principles out of it. And they're in your outline in your bulletin. Here's the first. In view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices as we accurately evaluate our gifts in relation to the gifts of others. Here's how Paul continues in verse 3. For through the grace given to me, don't forget that phrase, we'll come back to it. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. As, a God, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So he says now, and he's going to talk about spiritual gifts, don't let these make you feel too important. To think highly, more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And that can happen with spiritual gifts. Or to think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. It was happening in Corinth. If you read the Corinthian letter, I mean, they had all the spiritual gifts. And yet they were fleshly. They were divisive. They were arrogant, some of them, in the gifts that they had as they compared their gifts one to another. And he had to correct them and say, no way, that's a gift from God. It's no important, no more important than any other gift. And some of them felt diminished because they didn't have a particular gift or whatever. And Paul's saying, that's not it. No, don't think more highly, more lowly. Think to have sound judgment or an accurate evaluation. And by the way, Paul was speaking from experience. If you know anything about his life, you read his testimony. Before he became Paul the Apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a young up-and-coming rabbi, intellectually brilliant. I mean, he was amazing. And he had all the credentials, his background, his family, who he was in Israel. I mean, and he was zealous. He was tracking down those sects sectarians, those followers of this Jesus. He was having them imprisoned and even murdered because they were surely going against God. He was so proud of who he was. He thought so highly of himself until he met the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he was struck down, literally, to the ground. And he was blinded for a period of three days. And during those three days, I mean, he'd been in the heights, now he's in the depths. And now he realizes he's been sinning against God through all of this. He feels worthless. He feels like the worst and chief of sinners. And he knows he deserves nothing from God. 
And so he's thought highly, and now he's thinking lowly. And here comes Ananias, sent by Jesus to tell him, Saul, Jesus has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you, and he wants you to use the gifts you've got to go proclaim this gospel, this good news of Jesus. And so Paul came to realize, as he became the Apostle Paul, that that's what he needed is an accurate assessment of who he was and that God can, through the grace given to him, and that was grace that extended forgiveness and the gifts to him, he could be used of God once again. That's what we need to be, acknowledging as forgiven sinners, having received the grace of God, Every one of us has been given gifts that God can use, and so have the other people around us. That's the first principle. Here's the well, By the way, before I get to the second one, I reflected on that verse this week, and I thought, we should neither exaggerate nor denigrate our importance in the body of Christ based on our spiritual gifts. Everyone's important. Every gift is important. Every person is important. And that's a right evaluation. That's sound judgment. Second principle, in view of God's mercy, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices as we come to appreciate that our differing gifts must work together. Here's how Paul continues. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You know what he's doing here? Same thing he did in 1 Corinthians 12. He's using the human body to illustrate the body of Christ, which the church is called in Scripture, Christ being the head, church being the body. And he's saying, as our human body has many members, they're all different. I mean, we each have ears, we have a nose, we have a mouth, we have internal organs that you can't even see? Are they important just because you can't see their operation? You better believe it. We have appendages, arms and legs and fingers and toes. And he said, they're all different in their function, but they're all connected to one another and they need each other for that body to accomplish what the head desires. And he said, that's the way it is with the body of Christ. Many years ago, Dee and I went back to Nebraska. My parents were still living on the farm, and there was a farm sale nearby. And uh, Dad said, yeah, Wayne Glantz passed away. And I knew Farmer Wayne when Dad and used to shear sheep. I would uh, shear with him when, he was, when I was in high school. And uh, that's a tough job, by the way. And uh, we'd go over to Farmer Wayne's and shear his sheep. Well, Wayne had passed away, so they were having a farm sale. So we go over there, and it's really kind of interesting. The auctioneer just goes from the barn to the outbuildings to different tool shops or whatever. And then we come to this hay trailer just filled with all kinds of paraphernalia and tools, and he's auctioning things off. And I look over there. Oh, I forgot to tell you. When I knew him in high school, Wayne had lost a leg years earlier. Um, I think it was a farming accident. But he had a prosthetic leg, and he got around okay on it. And, uh, but anyway, so we're there by that hay trailer, and I look, and well, there's Wayne's leg laying right there on that trailer. Not his real leg, his prosthetic leg, okay? And I thought, Wayne doesn't have a leg to stand on. And, and then 
I realized, well, he doesn't need it. He died already, okay? But, but I thought, who could use that? It'd have to be somebody looking for a leg. And that's an interesting thing in an auction. And then I also thought, that leg is no good by itself. I mean, it isn't even attached to a body. That leg needs a body. And, and so it is with us. Sometimes you think, I really don't need other believers. I can just do my own thing as a Christian. Not really. Scripture says we need to be connected because we can't complete the work of the body of Christ unless we are connected to one another so the body can function properly. When we come to understand that, spiritual gifts, rather than dividing us, bring us together because we realize how interdependent we are for Christ's body to function as he desires it to. I think there's a couple things that I'd mentioned that we should avoid when it comes to spiritual gifts. One would be gift envy, to where we think, oh, I wish I had that spiritual gift. Have any of you ever felt that way when you see somebody do something? I, I sure have. Um, I thought, oh, man, I wish I had that spiritual gift, or I wish I could do that. And the more I think about it, I'm thinking, I'm glad they have that, because they do it so much better. And besides, I can't do everything, and, and I, I need to let that person uh, do what they do, and that's the way it is. So we shouldn't have gift any. In fact, here's what the Apostle Paul said when he's speaking about first, uh, in 1 Corinthians about spiritual gifts. He said this, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, these manifestations or gifts, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Oh, we don't get to choose? It's not a smorgasbord where we say, I like that gift, and oh, I like that one, and I want... No, it's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gift as he determines, okay? And the other thing that I think we need to avoid is gift projection, to where we say, well, now I have this spiritual gift, you need it too. No, wait a minute, let's let the Holy Spirit determine who has what gift and that come to light. But sometimes we just feel like, oh, no, you need what I have, and you need to be like me in this area. And all too often, that happens in some of those particular areas of gifts that are flashy or showy or whatever. But 1 Corinthians 12 really deals a death blow to that mentality. Toward the end of that chapter, when Paul starts asking, you know, about does everyone speak in tongues? Does everyone uh, work miracles or have the gift feelings? He says, no. You're not going to find that in the English. It's clear in the Greek. It demands a no answer. In other words, his whole context there is that there are a variety of gifts, and people have different gifts. Put them together, and you have a healthy body of Christ. Oswald Chambers said, let God deal with someone else as uniquely as he dealt with you. Don't impose your experience on another person. God deals with us uniquely, and he gives us each the gifts that he desires that we have. Here's how Peter put it in the fourth chapter of his letter. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Put them together, work together as the body of Christ, God's grace goes forward. And then, here's one more principle. In view of God's mercy, 
we offer ourselves as living sacrifices as we unwrap and exercise our gifts with grateful enthusiasm. I love that word enthusiasm. It means God within. And so when we have God within us, we are going to be excited. And I believe we'll anticipate the gifts that God's given to us and use them accordingly. Here's how he proceeds in verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Now let me stop right there. You first read that and you think, oh, wow. We get differing amounts of grace? That is not what that's saying. In fact, um, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that God has richly lavished his grace upon us in the person of Jesus Christ. We all receive that grace and the forgiveness and the salvation. We all get grace upon grace, more than sufficient grace. What differs is the gifts that we've been given according to God's grace, differing gifts, which he gets into in a moment. So since, we've re since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And by the way, the word grace given here is charisma. That's where he uses that word charisma. We're all charismatics. We all have, in the biblical sense, and every church that is using the gifts is charismatic, by the way. Paul gives some examples of some of the gifts in verse 7 and 8. He said, if prophecy... That's your gift according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. He lists seven here. Go to Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. You're going to find more gifts listed. Churches, ministries, depending on how they define or combine those gifts, may list from 15 to 25 different gifts. And scholars will tell you that probably that's not even exhaustive. Those are set forth as examples of gifts that God has given to the church. Chuck Swindoll attempted to list them into three different categories. That may be helpful, not divinely inspired. But uh, first he talks about service gifts where you have administration. And that's a person that can just organize things and just oversee it. person with faith that has just the faith to believe God for great things for the church. Uh, giving. Now, these are people that just are able to give with faith sacrificially uh, and amazingly. It may, just depending on where they're at, it may, they may be poor or they may be rich, but they are able to give uh, time, money, uh, that is amazing. Some people have the gift of helps, and they're just there, whatever the need is. My wife, Dee, that's one of her gifts, and I really appreciate that. Some people have the gift of hospitality. They open their hearts, they open their homes to people, whether in the church or beyond, and it just builds relationships for the gospel. Some people have the gift of intercession, which is praying on behalf of others and just to see amazing things happen through that kind of prayer. Some, the gift of mercy, where they visit someone who's sick or hurting and just comfort in such an amazing way. Pastoring, this is not 
the role of pastor, some of us are pastors on a church staff. No, this means shepherding within a church where you may be an Ohana group leader, a ministry team leader, and you're caring for a little flock. You're caring for their needs and leading them and, and helping them to grow or serving, another serving gift. We have also the speaking gifts, uh, evangelism. You think of Billy Graham or, or maybe Greg Laurie, but those are just just a minute fraction of those who have the gift of evangelism. Most people who have the gift of evangelism, they're sharing their faith. They're, they're reaching out with their testimony or sharing the gospel with a coworker, family member, or friend. That's evangelism gift. Exhortation, person that comes alongside of another and is able to help them move forward in their faith. Leadership, uh, teaching is another gift. Prophecy, in the first century, you know, really there was an emphasis on knowing what God was going to do. You see that with Agabus in the book of Acts or the daughters of Philip who were prophets. They didn't have the Bible then. Uh, I believe that God still speaks prophetically through some in the church, but a lot of times it means speaking forth about what God has already put in his word. Wisdom, another gift where there's just uh, real wisdom. A person has, speaks into a situation and we know, oh, that's from the Lord. Then there are the sign gifts. And discernment, you know, I'm not sure whether that belongs there or under service, but this is a person in a given circumstance. Uh, things are happening and they just know this is what's happening here or this is what's happening in that person's life. There's real, boy, we just need that in the church. Sometimes healings where a person can pray and a person just gets healed instantly. Or miracles, some miracle that you know, a person is able to work. Um, I don't go in for the showy things where a person comes to town, they're going to have a miracle crusade. But I think within the body of Christ, there are people in a given circumstance, they can just uh, believe and see a miracle take place. Tongues, as I said, that happened on the day of Pentecost when they spoke in the languages and dialects they'd never learned. And many believe that that's also a prayer language in which a person can communicate with the Lord. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, if it's ever used in a gathering of believers, two or at the most three should speak in a tongue and then only with interpretation. Each of us would have one or more as our primary gift. And you'll probably have a gift mix. The other thing is each of us can serve in areas that we may not have as a primary gift. Call it a secondary gift, whatever. I'll give you an example or two. Let's say that we're setting up chairs in the fellowship hall for a function, and I'm watching everybody and say, I'd really love to help you guys, but I really have the gift of teaching. Sorry. <laughs> or let's say that uh, somebody else is, well, um, falls down after church, and, and uh, they hurt their leg, and you say, wow, too bad. Uh, I have the gift of, uh, what do I have the gift of? I have the gift of prophecy. I really can't be much help here. Do we have anybody with the gift of mercy? No, you probably should help that person. When we pass the offering plate, uh, we, have, we know there's the gift of giving, and you look at it and say, shoots, I'd really love to put something in there, but I have the gift of helps. I'll, I'll help by passing it on down. 
<laughs> no. Or uh, evangelism. Say, I'd really like to tell my unsaved friend about Jesus, but I, I think I have the gift of mercy, so I'll just feel bad about them. No, folks. I mean, think about it. We're all called to be witnesses, right? Some have the gift of evangelism. They just share Christ all the time, and they see people come to Jesus. All of us are called to be witnesses. Some people have the gift of giving, but each of us is called to give and give sacrificially and see God provide, and our faith grows in that. Uh, some have various gifts, and they just flourish, but all of us are called to serve as there are needs around us. How do you know which gifts you have? Well, let me give you a couple of ideas. You can take a spiritual gifts test. In our base path class, we do that. Uh, we're going to have one right after Easter. We have up to bat seminar, then we have a base path. We spend three weeks in that base path uh, helping people discover their spiritual gifts and what ministry they might be best equipped for. In fact, uh, you can even go online, spiritualgiftstest.com. And there's a 98-question test you can take. And in about 15 to 20 minutes, it'll tell you what your spiritual gifts are. There's a problem with that, though. I've got to warn you. It's best done in a group, whether it's in a base path or in an Ohana group, because you need discernment when it comes to those spiritual gifts. For instance, a new believer or someone that is really not ministered in various areas, they're probably going to come out with really low numbers, and they may feel like, oh, I'm not really very gifted. Not true at all. Just haven't emerged yet. You'll see some blips, and those are some probably some areas where if you begin to serve in those areas, those numbers are going to grow much, much higher. The other thing is gift mixes can tend to change over a period of years as you step into different ministries. You may think your gift is over here, and it, and it is, but then another need arises, you step into that, and another gift emerges. And you take that gift inventory later, and you say, wow, I guess I was gifted, am gifted here as well, but didn't even realize it. So gift tests are helpful, but you know the best way to discover your spiritual gifts? Start serving. When you see a need in the body of Christ, and you sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit, that you can do something about that, step in and start ministering. Probably what's going to happen is you're going to start to see fruit in the lives of those you're ministering to. You'll start to get encouragement, affirmation. People say, thank you. Thank you for doing that or for what you did there. I was blessed by that. That's just a confirmation that that's a spiritual gift. Or not. Sometimes, you know, I'll step into an area... He says, Pastor Ron, that is definitely not your gift. <laughs> okay. And that's good news because then I can go somewhere else and do something else where I am gifted. So don't get discouraged if, that, if you attempt different things and have to move around because God directs us to find the gift that we are gifted with. But here's the thing that I hope, that you are desiring spiritual gifts, to know you have them, to desire to discover them and then to use them. I want to give you an example here. I apologize, but this is my grandson, Brooks. I thought he was the perfect illustration of this. Because every, well, Christmas, for the last few years, he's let us know what he wants for Christmas, he and all the other extended family members. And uh, so I think Anna Dara wrote the list, and then he was ready to cross them out when they came in, 
and then write, he wrote done at the bottom. You can tell he wrote that. But the point is, he was excited, anticipating gifts, and I think he probably got most of those for Christmas. And then, earlier this month, he turned six on February 2nd, 2-2. So Anna, Dara, and Rocky communicated to 2-2, in particular, what he wanted for his birthday. Well, he wanted, among other things, some blade builders. He was so excited about blade builders. Many of you don't know what they are. I didn't either. Those are lightsabers that you can put together, you know, and everything. So Tutu went on Amazon.com and had it sent to Nashville. And um, I'm going to let you judge to de determine if you think Brooks was excited about this gift when he opened it. Take a look at this video clip. That's the tallest present ever. Yeah, it's like the world record of longest present in college. It's it. <laughs> Ready, guys. Well, I think he liked it. Now, when you open the gifts that God's given to you, you may not respond like that. But I'll guarantee you, you will be excited to see that, wow, it's making a difference in the lives of people around me. I'm fulfilled as I'm using the gift and God is being honored through that. So you step into service and you see that happen. And by the way, the Ohana groups are a great place for those gifts to emerge when you're in that close relationship to one another. Excuse me, I'm going to take a quick sip of coffee. I, I really believe this, that one of the things that can... Oh, oh there was no coffee in there. But, <laughs> but if there had been, if there had been, I think the gifts would have emerged, okay? For instance, I think John here, he's got the gift of administration. He would have said... Hey, Jan, uh, go get a mop, would you? Dee, would you wipe off that uh, table? And uh, Stuart, would you please go get Pastor Ron another cup of coffee? And on the other hand, somebody with mercy uh, maybe would have said, oh, Rachel would have said, oh, Pastor Ron, I'm so sorry. I'll get you another cup of coffee. And uh, maybe somebody with the gift of helps. I don't know. Uh, maybe... Uh, who has the gift of helps here? Aries, maybe that's one of your gifts. You'd say, Pastor Ron, would you like some cream or sugar in that? And uh, someone has the gift of giving. Uh, maybe Dave would say, here, Ron, you can have my cup. And uh, maybe the gift of teaching. Who has the gift of teaching? Paul has the gift of teaching. He, he might say, you know, steady hand comes from the Greek word less caffeine. Somebody with the gift of prophecy, you know, maybe Matt would say, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> and somebody with the gift of intercession, um, gosh, uh, maybe Vanjie, she's going to say, I'm praying against all physical and emotional trauma that might be caused by that uh, spilled coffee. 
Gift of faith. Okay, Lane, he's saying, I'm trusting God to fill your cup. And Chad, gift of miracles. Let, let's believe God to make this cup full again right now. I mean, when something happens, when there's a need in the body of Christ, maybe even more important than this, well, and by the way, the gift of prophecy, somebody would have said, I'm believing Lisette's going to give you scoldings for that. Okay. <laughs> but when there's a real need in the body of Christ, people just step in to meet that, not knowing, oh, that was a spiritual gift. And others can say, there it was. Yes, thank you for doing that. When they're not opened, the church is weak and effective. Now, I want to create a word picture in your mind. If you look around, you see people in here. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul says that every person that the Holy Spirit places in the church is a gift to the church. So instead of people, just think of us all being packages with a big bow on top. That's what we are. You see that? Okay. And so what happens too often in churches is pastors are content to have the packages file in every week and fill the seats and then we count them and then send them away and then bring them back the next week, count them again, but never open them. And that's on us. It's the responsibility of the pastoral staff, the elders, the Ohana group leaders and the ministry team leaders, with the help of the Holy Spirit, open those gifts to the church and help you to discover what gifts you've been given for the building up of the body of Christ. And if you don't know them, boy, check it out with one of the staff members, your, your Ohana group leader, and say, I need to know my spiritual gifts. Pray with me, talk with me, and help me to discover them. So let me ask you, are you willing to be used as a living sacrifice in view of the mercies of God? Let's offer ourselves in that way to Him by using the gifts that God's given to us. This time as we close, let's declare this by faith. And even if you don't know them yet, that means I'm going to get to know my spiritual gifts. Go, let's say it together. I know my spiritual gifts and use them to fulfill God's purposes. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for each person in this body. You placed them here. And we're grateful for each. But we are also thankful for the gifts that you've given to each person. And pray that no one will feel uh, diminished in the gifts he or she has or that we might feel maybe overly important. We need each other, Lord. And together, as we serve you using these gifts, you'll be honored, lost people will come to know you, and people will be built up to be strong in you. That's what we want, Lord. We ask you to do this in our midst by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.